So we are here uh, talking about missions this week, and uh, we want to continue that tonight. And I remember my, my first missions trip. Uh, I've been on a, a few missions trips, but I was 16 years old, and I went to uh, Quito, Ecuador. And uh, it was a scary time. Uh, we can, uh, I'd love to share about it some, sometime later, but uh, get on that plane and you fly into Quito. And if you don't know, Quito is way up in the mountains. And so we come in to land the plane, and about, we almost hit the mountain, like coming in because there's fog that day. And so they had to divert us out of Quito and went to a city on the coast. But, but going on that trip was an amazing experience at 16 years old. But, but I can tell you this, that I didn't... I didn't just say, hey, I want to go on this trip and then hop on the plane the next day and make my way to Quito. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that it takes some preparation, right? Like you've got a, there were support letters that needed to be sent and car washes that we had to do and I think bake sales and, and, and a whole bunch of other things that we did to raise money. And, and in Tennessee, where, where I'm from, uh, you didn't just get to go on an AIM trip, right? You had to go to a weekend retreat and you had to learn all of the, the, the dramas they wanted you to learn and all the songs and you had to learn how to give your testimony. There was all sorts of things and preparation that had to take place. There was work that had to be done to get there. And on the flip side, the missionaries that we were with, Ray and, and Wanda Talley, who we ministered with, they didn't just, like, we didn't just call them up and say, hey, guys, uh, we know you need some help down there. We'll, we'll be there tomorrow, right? If you're a missionary in the room and you've had people come over and minister with you, you know it takes some work to set up those trips, right? They have to, they had to book the buses because they got 30 or 40 kids coming in. They had to uh, make sure that there were churches that were ready for us to minister with. They had to find outreach sites. And there were just there was a whole lot of work that had to be done on their end. And so we're working on our end to get there, and they're working on their end to prepare to get us there. But, but what is God doing in the midst of all of that? Like, we're working to get there, and they're working to prepare for us. But what is, what is God doing in the midst of all of that? What's He doing in that process? And it, it turns out that he's, he's working as well. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. You see, God was working to get us there, but before we ever got there, God was there. Let's say that again. God was working to get us there, but before we ever got there, God was already there and God was already working. And there's this passage in the book of Acts. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and also one that troubles me a little bit, and, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. It, it is Paul who is getting ready to start his second missionary journey. And he has just met young Timothy. And he is so impressed with Timothy that he decides to take Timothy with him. And so he moves on in this journey and picks up Timothy, and, and we believe that we know Silas is with him, and probably Luke he picks up somewhere along the way, because if you're reading the passage, you'll notice a change from they to we, and so we think the, the author here in Acts has been picked up by them, and that is Luke, and so we think it's Timothy and Paul and Silas and Luke, and they're traveling around, and they go to head north. They're in, if you remember geography, they're in modern-day Turkey, right? in the country of Turkey that we call today. And so they're there, and they're moving around. They're trying to go to new places. They're trying to preach the gospel. And they try, and they're, they're kind of heading northeast. And as they're heading northeast, it's, the Holy Spirit starts to do something that just seems a, a little bit strange. So I want us to pick up, and we're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 16. We're going to begin at verse 6. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. 
because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Verse 8, So instead they went through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas, and we sailed straight to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. And from there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. And on the Sabbath we went a little ways outside the city to a riverbank, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatara, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, he said, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. We're going to stop right there. We could go on and read about their time there in Philippi, but, but we will we'll stop reading for there. And tonight, this is what I want you to remember, that, that God is working to get you there, but before you get there... God is there working. God is working to get you there, but before you get there, God is there working. Let's dive in and see what God was doing. First of all, God was working to get Paul where God needed him. But again, Paul, Paul comes out of picking up Timothy, and he's going to minister the gospel. And he begins to move, and he begins to travel uh, northeast, and as he does, it tells us twice in this passage that he stopped from doing so by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of scratch my head at this one, because aren't we told, and we talk about it in a missions conference, we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And here's Paul trying to do what he's supposed to be doing, and the Spirit of God is the one who stops him from doing it. Anybody, like, I, I read this and I wonder, like, what in the world is going on here? And so Paul, Paul begins to make this move, and, and he begins to, to go that direction, but, but twice in our passage, again, the Spirit of God keeps him from doing the very thing that he knows he's supposed to be doing. What, what's going on here? He, he finally, after, after twice feeling like he can't go in this direction, he lands at this coastal city of Troas. And I can imagine him and his companions, Luke and Silas and Timothy, they're kind of going, what gives? Like, God, I thought that you wanted us to preach the gospel. I, we thought that it would make sense to go this direction. We thought this is what you wanted. And I can imagine they may be a little bit troubled and they're trying to figure out. You ever been there like God's doing something and you're trying to discern and figure out what it is that he's doing? And you thought that you were walking in the right direction and you were, you were doing your best to obey what God had said, but everything just like the doors just keep slamming on you and the, the Holy Spirit just keeps kind of, it seems that he's just kind of not letting you go in a certain direction. And the frustration that you feel and the angst that you feel and the God, what are you, God, what are you doing? God, what's going on? And I can imagine Paul and his companions are have this moment. And somewhere in the night while they're there at Troas, Paul gets this vision. And it is this man from Macedonia that says, Hey, come over here and help us. Now, we don't read anything else about it, but it says this, that as soon as 
Paul got up, they, they, they realized God wants us to go across uh, the, the ocean a little way, the Mediterranean Sea there. He wants us to go over to, to, to Macedonia, which was a province in the Roman Empire. It was an area of what we'd call modern-day Greece. And so he concludes that he's supposed to go there, and so they get on a boat and they go there. And he travels up through there, and he comes to this city of Philippi. But, but what is... What is God doing here? The answer is this, that God had a plan. It's not that God had somehow forgotten the people that Paul was trying to reach. It's not that God somehow just neglected them. It is that God needed Paul in a certain place in a certain time for a certain reason, and God was directing him. You see, God was at work moving all of the pieces into the right places to get Paul where he needed him at the right moment. That God was working to put all of the things in the right places. After two attempts to go in one direction and being denied, finally God speaks to Paul, and for the first time, the, sort of the trajectory of, of where, how Christianity was spreading shifts. And this is the first uh, known sort of moment where the gospel begins to enter Europe. So if you are in the room and you are of European descent, this is the moment where the gospel begins to shift and move westward. It's a, a big, a significant moment in, in history there. And so God wasn't forgetting about the people that Paul wanted to reach. God had a, a bigger mission at hand. And, you know, sometimes we can get excited doing good things for God, doing the things that, that, that God would, would want us to do. They're good, but sometimes good is the enemy of best. And so, sometimes we need to discern the specific thing that God wants us to do. Where, where does he want us? What is he asking for us because you see, God had a specific mission for Paul. And, and I am encouraged and, and want to remind us that in missions today, God is still working and calling people to specific places for a specific purpose. We, we believe this wholeheartedly as the Assemblies of God, that God is still calling people to specific places for specific reasons and specific purposes. That, that God speaks to people and says, I need you to go to this people group and I need you to minister to him. To them. You see, there's a, there's a general calling. Every one of us is called to, to, to love our neighbor and to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Really what it says there is this, is that as you're going into all the world, preach the gospel. So you, you're called to preach the gospel to your neighbor and you're called to, to, to love your, your enemies and you're called to love your neighbors as yourself and you're called to live a holy life. Like There's this general calling that all of us better be doing. But if we really uh, dive into it, there's some specific things in your specific context maybe God wants from you. And for some of us in this room, and those of you who are missionaries, God spoke specifically in one way or another and said, this is, I want something specific from you. I, I, remember, uh, I remember as a kid, I grew up in a, a pastor's home, and we would have missionaries over, and they would come and stay for the week, or sometimes stay for the evening at our house. And had a lot of a lot of missionary friends growing up, and and uh, I remember some of the most fascinating things to listen to was them tell their story of how they felt called to the specific place that they were going. And they all, some of them maybe God spoke to them supernaturally in a dream. Some of them things just sort of lined up, and that's where they felt God was sending them. For some of them. Uh, they went on a mission trip there, and they fell in love with the place, and God really spoke to them. For others, there was, there was other stories, but every one of them had a, had a reason and a moment where they could say, God, this, this is where God wanted me to go. And you see, God, God is speaking and calling people, 
And the question is this, how, how do we learn the specific thing God wants us to do? Right? I worked some over the years with, with teenagers and with college students, and one of the big questions you ask is like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do with my life? And I, I know as sometimes the advice youth pastors give is, uh, I don't know, sometimes it's a little, uh, the advice that, that we get given over the years and we've given over the years is kind of, it's not that it's bad, it's just sort of generic, and it's like, oh, you need to just, just you know, God's got a specific thing for you. And I think sometimes we worry so much about that specific that we forget, uh, that we kind of get lost there. And we get, become so worried about, oh my, what is, what is it I'm supposed to do? Like, where is it God wants me to go? What is it He wants me to do? And we get stressed out about it. And we get, we get worried about it. And here, here's what I would say is this, is that every day you wake up, just do the thing you know you're supposed to do. Like, you, you've already got it clearly laid out in Scripture, what it is that God wants of us, generally speaking. And I, I believe that if you will follow that and obey Jesus today, and then get up and do it again tomorrow, and then do it again the next day, and then the next day, and if you're pursuing Jesus, like, he will speak and he will take care of the specifics. No, notice what Paul is doing here. It's not like Paul's just sitting around, okay, God, where, where is it that you need me to go? Like, God, I'm, I'm going to stay right here until you... No. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. What is Paul... He's going. He's moving. And it's as he's moving, and as he's doing something for Jesus, that Jesus speaks and says, no, no, not here, over there. And he says, okay, no problem. I can't help but think that sometimes maybe we want God to speak to us, and He's not speaking because we're not listening to what He's already said. We, we want God to speak to us, we want God to direct us, and we're not going to the places He's already placed us. Like, you, you are in your job, in your school, in wherever you find yourself, you are there for a purpose and for a reason. Be faithful there, and God will speak, and He will move, and He will do what He needs to do to get you where you need to go. Because God is working to place you where he needs you. Just as he was working in the life of Paul here. And sometimes we don't understand all that. But I, I'm telling you, if you, will, if you will not worry so much about that, but be faithful with where God's placed you and do what he's asked you to do, God will take care of the rest and he will direct you. You may be in this room tonight and you may be trying to figure out where is it that God wants me? What is it that he wants me to do? Listen, that's good. You should pray about that. But be faithful where he's got you and do what he's asked you to do right where you are and God will take care of the rest. You, you, you will wake up down the road and you'll go, how did, how did this happen? And it will because every step of the way, one step at a time, you were just obedient to the last thing that God spoke to you. And it says you do that every day and wake up and do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day that God begins to direct and move you. And so God is working to get us where he needs us, where he needs us. And, and I also remember those missionaries, they didn't just talk about their, their calling story, but many of them would talk about times and moments where maybe they didn't know if they were going to have the funds to make it back to the field, or maybe they were on the field and something came up and Man, they would tell these incredible stories of God's provision and incredible stories of God working and moving. And, and I can tell you this, listen, God is faithful to call and He's also faithful to provide. Again, we stress ourselves out so many times about, God, what is it that you want? And God, you've got you to take care of all of these things. And I think God is just subtly saying, like, no, you, you just obey and you take the next step and, and I'll take care of the rest. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. The, we're not worried where the, the, the things are. Listen, that's not that we be dumb and we just go do reckless things. But it is to say that many times we have 
Anybody like me, when you go to make a decision, you have what they call analysis paralysis? Anybody? Yeah, so you're like, all right, so if I do this, then this is going to happen. If I do that, that's, and you look at all the angles. And sometimes, listen, I, God just says, like, just step out. Just make, just make a move. Some, some of you, as you're uh, praying this week and you're kind of contemplating what it is that God wants you to give in missions, you're like, all right, if, if I do this and I carry the two and, and add the four and this is how much we have coming in and we're analyzing everything, and maybe God's just saying, like, just step out. Like, just, just step out. Maybe God gives you a figure that you're like, whoa, that's, just step out. Like, it's, it's a faith, like, we're not coming and knocking on your door like, hey, where's the money? Like, we're not, we're not doing that. It's a faith promise. And that, that means that you are, as God enables you, you will give. And we believe that as you step out in faith, God will enable you. And, and I, I could tell stories of people that God, they stepped out in faith and God enabled but the, the, the catch is this, is that daily obedience. It's doing what God asks you to do day in and day out. And as you, as you follow him, he begins to speak and he begins to move and he begins to provide and he begins to put all of the pieces of the puzzle into the right place so that, so that he gets the glory and he gets you where you need to be. So God had, it was getting and, and Paul where he needed to be and putting all of the pieces into position. But not only that, God was working in Philippi before Paul even got there. Sometimes we think that, that we are, uh, like, we're, we're bringing Jesus to the party, right? Like, we, like Jesus, Jesus comes with us. And in a sense, he does, and I, I get that. But we forget that Jesus is everywhere, that the Spirit of God is everywhere, and that before you get there, Jesus has been there. And long after you leave, Jesus will be there. And it's comforting to know, one, that God prepares the way before you get there. And two, it's not about you. It, doesn't, it does not rest on you. God does not need you. I mean, God can do what he wants. He does not need you. He does not need me. He can accomplish his purposes on his own without our help. But he chooses to use us. He chooses to call us into his grand plan of redemption. He chooses to use us as his ambassadors to a lost and broken world. He chooses to use you and me as ministers of reconciliation. But sometimes we can get the big head and think, Jesus, we kind of carry Jesus around and he kind of shows up with us. No, no, no. Jesus is there before you ever get there. And he'll be there long after you're gone, still working, still moving, still, still having his way, still building his church. And so Paul gets here to Philippi, and what was a, a custom of his was when he comes to a town or a city, what he'll do is he'll look for the Jewish synagogue. And why would he do that? Because he has a, kind of some common ground where he can begin talking to them about the gospel, and he begins to share with them about who Jesus is. And Philippi, to the, to the best of our knowledge, didn't have, probably did not have a synagogue. And so he's got to find another place to kind of start and so he, maybe he asks around town, I don't know, but he gets, he gets word that there's this group of people that meet and pray down by this river. And he comes upon this prayer meeting, and he meets this lady named Lydia. The text tells us that she's a dealer in purple cloth, which means that she was, uh, probably had a pretty lucrative job. Purple cloth was made for people in uh, prestigious positions of power, and so she probably had a good, good business going, 
And, and, and notice something else. She's not from Philippi. I never, I never, that never really hit me until I was reading that a, a couple days ago. She's not from Philippi. She's from Thyatira. Now, I don't know how long she'd been in Philippi. She has a house there, it tells us. But she's not from there. And, and this, this is incredible to me, that God orchestrates all of this and gets this woman to Philippi and gets Paul to Philippi, and he's working all of this stuff out to, to bring it all together. And so we, we, Paul gets there, and the text tells us that Lydia was a worshiper of God, which probably means that she prayed and worshiped, probably as the Jews would have, but she may not have been a full-blown kind of Jewish convert. So, so in, if you if not kind of put her into a context which we can understand, this is someone who has a little bit of knowledge of God. She doesn't know much, or much if anything, about Jesus. She has a little bit of knowledge of God, and she's praying, and she's seeking God. And I, I can't help but wonder, man, as she's praying and she's seeking God, if she was asking God, I know that there's more. Please send me someone who will, who will, who will tell me what that is. God, I, I know that there's more. There's got to be more. I don't know what it is, but God, please send me someone who can tell me what that more is. And I believe Paul was the answer to her prayer. That he shows up, and he begins to preach the gospel, and the text tells us that she believed what he had to say. She's baptized, her house is baptized, and the church at Philippi is started. And the church at Philippi, if you read the book of Philippians, becomes one of Paul's favorite churches. It's, it's the church that he absolutely loves. He uses language like this, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He, he calls them his joy and his crown. This is his, some of his favorite people. And, and, but, but notice this, before Paul ever stepped foot on the continent of Europe, God was already moving. He was already working. He already had Lydia in the right place at the right time. He was getting Paul to the right place at the right time. God was orchestrating everything. that He had everything in place so that at the right moment, the gospel could be presented to this lady. And so before he gets there, God was working. And listen, I, I want to remind us that God is working before we get there. That we, we can be worried about situations and problems but before you ever get there, God is already there. He's already been there. He's already working. He's already moving. In Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 through 2, we're told that God creates the heavens and the earth, and the earth is in chaos, but it tells us that the Spirit of God hovers over the face of the waters. And I can't help but think that the Spirit of God is still hovering over the chaos of lives, that there are bars in Lakeland where the Spirit of God is hovering and moving and seeking and saving the lost and working and, and trying to draw people to Himself. That there are villages in South America where the Spirit of God is moving and working and speaking and trying to draw men and women and boys and girls to Himself. That there are, uh, there's an apartment somewhere in Tokyo tonight where the Spirit of God is moving and working and trying to bring people to a knowledge of Himself. See, before we ever get there, God is there. That he is, he is moving. There is no place that God is not working. Let's say that again. There is no place God is not working. And sometimes we don't, I, I just don't think we, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around. But there is no corner of this earth where the Spirit of God is not working, is not moving. Jesus wants them saved more than you do. 
and, and, and He is working and moving and trying to draw men and women to Himself, whether we're there or not there, God is there. And so part of what, is, what does all this mean for us? It means this, that God has called us to be sensitive to the Spirit and to discern what He's doing in us and through us and around us. I, I really think that this is one of the the keys to effective evangelism that gets sort of uh, cast aside sometimes is just what is God doing, what is God already doing, and how can I join in on that? Because the Spirit of God is already working. The Spirit of God is already moving. When we learn to discern what God is doing through us and in us and around us, powerful things happen. We need to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to His direction. This starts again with this general obedience to what God has asked us to do. And as we do that, I believe God wants to speak more and more and begin to give us more specific things. Start sharing what Jesus has done in your life with those around you. You don't have to pray about that. Start sharing what Jesus has done in your life with those around you. You don't need to pray about that. I just help you out with it. Like the Bible says, do it. Done. Go do it. There are things that we don't like. Just, just go obey. And I believe as we do that, God begins to work, God begins to move, He begins to give us creativity, He begins to give us ways to do it, He begins to get specific with us and say, go speak to that person, go share with that individual, go say this, don't say that, go here, don't go there. Like, I believe God wants to direct us and use us in powerful ways, and it starts as we begin to say, God, what, are, what is it that you're doing? God what, is, God, what is it that you're doing in my family members who are lost? God, God, what is it that you're doing in my son or my daughter who's lost? God, God, what is it you're doing in the lives of my coworkers? God, what is it you're doing and what is it that I can do? How, what, what do you need me to say? What, what would you like me to do? And as we obey the general stuff and we begin to ask God for some specifics, I believe he starts to show up and he starts to speak and lives begin to be changed. We've got to be sensitive to those things. And we also need to pay attention to what God is already doing. Listen, before you get there, again, God is already there. And I, I want to I close tonight with just a few uh, stories of some, some men and women and individuals who just discerned what God was doing. And they, 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 they moved on that, and the, the Holy Spirit used them to do something incredible. See, the year was 1944, and the Assemblies of God had been around for about three decades at the time. And this, this man named Ralph Harris, he was leading what we would call the National Youth Department. It's the Department of the Assemblies of God that is over high school, middle school students. And Ralph was, was burdened because he knew that the Assemblies of God had started with the intention of being the greatest missionary sending agency that the world had ever seen. But it bothered him. Because it seemed like that the, the teenagers and the middle school students and the high school students of our churches, that we weren't really effectively conveying that to them, and they weren't playing the role that maybe they should play in, in that. And so he goes to prayer because he senses this need, and he senses that the Holy Spirit's doing something, and he goes to prayer to figure out what that is. And as he begins to pray, God gives him this idea what if we could get teenagers to purchase all the equipment, all the vehicles, all the stuff missionaries need for, while they're on the field? And he began what we call Speed the Light. And if you don't know about Speed the Light, Speed the Light is 
the arm of the aging missions where the teenagers provide the money for projectors and equipment and vehicles and anything that gets the gospel there quicker, we give it to them. Hence the name Speed the Light, right? We want to speed the light there. We want to get them vehicles and sound systems and anything that gets, gets the, the message out quicker. And since 1944, when God birthed this vision in this man, Ralph Harris, over $300 million have been given from teenagers who gave so that missionaries could get where they needed to go. They could get the sound equipment. They could get the transportation that they needed. And notice what happened. It's, that started because a man paid attention to what the Spirit of God was doing. That he was, he was, he was smart enough and, and he, he knew enough to begin to listen and say, and he, he slowed down enough just to listen and say, God, what is it that you want to do? God, God I, I know there's a need here. God, what is it that you want to do? And as he did that, God began to move and work. And Speed the Light not only equips the missionaries, but I can tell you from a personal experience, it inspires teenagers and changes their lives as they learn to give of themselves so that the gospel can go forward. Fast forward about five years, and we come to the late 1940s. And in the Assemblies of God in the Foreign Missions Department, and the Sunday school department, they began to discern and they began to feel there's a need here, right? There, there's, there's arms of our church that, where the young people are now participating in missions. And there's an arm of our church where the men and the women are participating in missions. But there is no, nothing for kids. And they began to pray and they began to say, listen, if, if, if we don't teach these kids about missions, like we're going to lose. We're going to lose this thing. Like, like we, we won't have a church in in, in many years, sometime in 1949, someone from the Sunday School Department said this, If children are to grow up to be adults concerned about missions, they must be taught missions in their formative years. And so they started something called BGMC, which its goal is to teach our children about missions and to get them giving, and it also provides literature and many other things for missionaries on the field. Well, what's the common denominator here? It's again, and these people listened to what the Holy Spirit was saying, and they began to act upon it in obedience, and God began to move. And here we are years later, missionaries are supplied with the things that they need because a group of people decided they were going to listen to what the Holy Spirit had to say. And then uh, finally, there is a, a man, sometime in the 1990s, I believe it was 1994, a man named Hal Donaldson. He goes out for a while, uh, several months kind of stint, and he's, he's, doing a, he's a writer, and so he goes out to do some writing. And he wants to write about the problems facing America's cities. And so he goes on these midnight rides with police officers in some of the largest cities in the U.S. just to see how things are. And he interviews homeless people and pimps and prostitutes and drug addicts, and he he just gets in their world and sees how th things from their point of view. And he just went with the purpose of my understanding is just to write an article or write a book or do something along those lines. And he was so moved by what he saw and so moved by what was going on. And the Holy Spirit stirred him. And he went and got a beat up old pickup truck that I believe he borrowed from a friend if memory serves me correctly. And he drove out to, he picked up some food and drove out to a migrant community and started passing it out. Because he was so burdened and he said, listen, I've got, I've got to do something about that. And today that one 
borrowed pickup truck has become a 300,000 square foot distribution center with a whole fleet of 18 wheelers and they do community outreach events every year and it's a ministry called Convoy of Hope and they host outreach events all over the country and provide food and medical help and if you, like in Florida, if we have a hurricane, they're typically one of the first groups on the ground getting water and food to people. Around the world, they feed children. Currently, they feed more than 300,000 children on a regular basis in 18 countries. Why? Because one man listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so what, what is it that God wants to say tonight? Listen, God is working. And he wants to do something in you, and he, wants, he has a purpose for you, and he's working to get you to that purpose. But before you even get there, God is already there working and moving and laying things out and putting things into place. But your response to all of that should be this. God, what is, what is it you're doing? Holy Spirit, what is it that you need from me? And as we walk in obedience to that, God can do incredible things. Speed the Light, BGMC, Convoy of Hope. They're started by people who were just doing their, they were going about their own business and they were just trusting the Lord in the process. And in the process of doing that, big things happened. And I'm telling you, as you just go about your business obeying God and doing what He asks you to do, if you're obedient, you're like, big things can happen. God can do some significant things. And I can't help but wonder, what's God want to do with you? What does He want to do with you? And you may say, oh, I, I can never do anything big. Listen, big is small. It's, it's relative, right? You, you have no idea how, what your life, how it impacts other people. And what, what God wants to do through you may seem insignificant, but man, it might be significant in light of eternity. Sometimes I, I think God's looking down on us and going like, hey, um, what you think is big is actually small, and what you think is small is actually big sometimes. And so what, what I want to submit to you is this, is that God, that we just need to be people who are more aware of what is it, what is it God, that you're doing in me? What is it, God, that you're doing around me? And how, how can I be a part of what, what you're doing? And so this week, this has been our challenge to you, that God is doing something around the world in missions, that, that the lost are being saved, and God wants you to be a part of that. And so one of the things we're encouraging you to do is pray. How much, can you, how much does God want you to give? What is it that he wants you to do as we partner with missionaries who go around the world to reach people with the gospel? But then secondly, I would say this. It's not just about your giving. Sometimes I think we give and we kind of, uh, it kind of pads our conscience a little bit. Like we feel like we're okay because we gave. But you've you got neighbors and people just in your backyard. Like the reality is this. The majority of us will not like God has not called the majority of us probably in this room to go overseas. It's just a fact. But he has called you across the street to your neighbor. And he has called, called you to your coworker, and to your family, and to the people around you. And, and they need you to listen and hear what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. Because they're, they're counting on you to, to be present and to, to allow God to work through you. And so I, I want to encourage you, as you pray this week, ask yourselves those two questions. God, what is it you want me to do financially as we give as a church? And then, God, what is it you want from me of, of my life that I can give it, that I can take up my cross daily and follow you? For some of you, maybe that does look like going overseas. Maybe God's been dealing with you and speaking to you, and he's got a call on your life 
and maybe you know it, and maybe you've been trying to kind of get away from it, but, but maybe, maybe God wants to do something like that with you. Or maybe it's just walking across the street and introducing yourself to your neighbor. Maybe it's just hearing what God is saying regarding your lost son or your lost daughter. Maybe it's that coworker. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that when we obey God and when we listen, big things happen. And God does something incredible. Let's do it.